The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, getting a trillion dollars off the ground. An infrastructure framework is in place, but not much else. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. I think it's reassuring to see that that kind of legislative work is possible. Now, we've still got a lot of work to do this year to actually deliver. And summer sips with other people. AB InBev CEO Carlos Brito. Vaccinations are progressing very fast and that is getting consumers back to their normal lives. Everybody's dying to grab a beer to go meet their friends physically. Those stories plus a t-shirt for your issues and doomsday prepping. Well positioned for all worst case scenarios on Wall Street and in Joe Kernan's imagination. They're here. They're ready to come in here at any second with those slimy, slithery tentacles and like, you know, what are you going to do? It's Friday, finally, June 25th, 2021, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. On Evan Mark, sir, sir. Oh, do you have a deal? President Biden announcing that the White House has reached a deal on infrastructure with a bipartisan group of senators. We had a uh, really good meeting and answer your direct question, we have a deal. And uh, I think it's really important. We've all agreed that uh, none of us got what we all that we wanted. I clearly didn't get all I wanted. They gave more than I think maybe they were inclined to give in the first place. But this reminds me of the days we used to get an awful lot done up in the United States Congress. We actually worked with them. We had bipartisan deals. Bipartisan deals mean compromise. The deal includes $579 billion in new spending. Of that, $109 billion goes to roads and bridges. $66 billion goes to passenger and freight rails. $49 billion for public transportation. Uh, $15 billion will go to electric vehicle infrastructure and electric buses and transit. And $73 billion will go towards the power grid. You've got $65 billion for broadband and another $55 billion for water infrastructure. To pay for that, the proposal calls for the IRS to increase enforcement to ensure that wealthy people pay the taxes that they already owe under the existing law. It would also redirect unused state and local coronavirus relief funds to infrastructure. And it proposes public-private partnerships and bonds for the funding. I dug through some of this. There's things in there like the future 5G spectrum sales are going to go for this. SPR sales. I saw that, too. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Like, we're going to sell it down? To to me, this looks... Like, this was moving a bunch of deck chairs. jury-rigged. It looks like a, you know, gold. I would think some of these were things that were already maybe allocated for other resources or for the general budget. So it did look like a bit of uh, kind of chicory when you, chicanery, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. When you get through it. Senators have backed the framework, including 11 Republicans and 10 10 Democrats. They will probably need to win support from Democratic leaders and win over the vast majority of the Democratic caucus in order to get the 60 votes they need just to pass this bill in the Senate. 
to keep the Republicans on board, you can see there's no tax increases anywhere. Right. Uh, really. And here's what the president said about, he said, I didn't get everything I want. That's in the other bill, what he really wants. This is what we could agree on today. But then he goes on to say, um, if the other bill doesn't come to my desk containing the rest of the agenda, if this is the only one that comes, I'm not signing it. If only one comes to me, I'm not, if this is the only thing that comes to me, I'm not signing it. It's in tandem. And then I, I, we were talking about this earlier. Um, Speaker Pelosi had some similar comments, and, and she was this blunt. Make sure you understand this. That when people say, well, I'm not going to vote for this unless I see that, there ain't going to be no bipartisan bill unless we are going to have the reconciliation. Plain and simple. So that's and, the one So that the market is trading up on this as if this is a done deal and happening. Well, but when I hear stuff that, like that, yeah. I, I, it makes me think it's not going to happen. How about really if it is happening? That's what I was thinking we were going to talk about. Okay, the market, more money. Yay, yay, spend, spend, spend. So it, it's another trillion. It loves that. It's loved that. It's what is like $579 billion. When does it become... This is too much. OK, so let's do six trillion. Then they're also asking for six trillion. Does the Dow then go up another 20 percent on the six trillion? Where is the difference between the yes, one trillion? Until the Federal Reserve raises rates and right. then forget it. But it's, somewhere between one trillion, what we're doing, six trillion, someone's going to sit up and take notice at some point. Well, the and, and, and it will be when the Federal Reserve sits up and takes notice that the market will have to take notice because. They'll be fine with it until the Fed says it's going to get inflationary and we're going to crack down right. with it by raising rates. At this point, it's like keeps, you know, any stimulus is taken positively with, with interest rates this low. And you wonder about it. And then if, if there's an interesting piece, if you read it back to, I don't know, I, I'm fascinated by Manchin and, and, his, yeah. and his power uh, right now and, and, and the interplay between uh, Schumer. Majority leader Schumer and and Manchin, and they try. They're doing this this weird ritual where they want to keep on each other's good side, but there definitely are some uh, disagreements. So Manchin bought a houseboat. Did you know this? And I it's called not. Almost Heaven. It's nice, and it's moored on the Potomac. When he got there in 2010, so he invites senators, and they all come, and they have cocktails, and who knows what you know. It, it, it sounds fun. Are you right. implying monkey business? No, 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 nothing <laughs> like that. Just, the... this, you know, it's nice if senators and politicians on both parties would have a couple of cocktails actually, together. They might, they might do more bipartisan. And they things haven't if they been doing as much. Started talking to each other once in a while. Right, they haven't been doing as much lately. But you know, for Mansion to do the reconciliation, they need fifty. They need all fifty. They can't lose yep. a single person on on reconciliation. And he said, "I'm not for the fifteen dollar minimum wage. I'm not for the twenty eight dollars." But then uh, with the voting bill, Schumer, he wasn't for that. Schumer gave him one thing in an, in an amendment, and, and he stayed on board, and he stayed with uh, the caucus. So we, we were discussing this this morning. Like, I'm shocked. There's well, I gambling. told you they don't really mean what they say. Everything they say is, is a well, bargain. It's not just that. It's horse trading. It's horse trading so that they horse can make something. their con- so that they can make their constituents happy. And that, when we talked directly with Josh Gottheimer yesterday, I asked him about that. Can they buy your vote? Right. If they put the SALT deductions Depending in this, on, can they buy your vote? Right. I, I, I said it in that language. I didn't couch That's this. where it comes from. All politics are local. Because all these huge issues that we have, if it comes down to something for and, in the House for their constituents... Then and by the way, Schumer's pretty good at horse trading. Nancy Pelosi's pretty good at horse trading. Biden knows this. He was in the Senate for a very long time. That's how deals get done. Yeah. It's the president's whispering a lot. I no, played that for you. We talked about this, too. He wouldn't Just, be the first weird president. He's whispering a lot. The last one had some weird things, too. He did. 
probably weird things we don't even know. Weirder about. than that. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those weird things may not have been true. <laughs> Nike soaring this morning. A company reported earnings of 93 cents a share. Those crack analysts had expectations of 51 cents. Uh, they didn't carry a, you know, it's. You, Add carry the your, one. Carry the one. Put that on. <laughs> I don't know. All well, look, it was, it was phenomenal what they did. Revenue of uh, $12.34 billion. Beat estimates of $11 billion. Uh, and then in the biggest market, still North America, sales more than doubled. Sales more than doubled. And that was a pandemic to a record $5.4 billion. But even, you'll see, it, it, some things, even pre-pandemic, they're up just an unbelievable amount. I'll tell you in a second. But uh, the company was selling more goods at full price, relying less on markdowns. And then digital sales up 150 percent versus the same quarter in 2019. So not last year, but before the same quarter in 2019, up 150 percent. So that's pre-pandemic. Full year guidance of $50 billion exceeded expectations uh, by one point. Five billion dollars. First time in the company's 50-year history that it's it's got a, a, a more than 12 billion dollar record quarter uh, in, in terms of revenue. Um, it doubled because everything was shut down. So a lot of the stores in in, in 2020, um, it, you know, it went from just about six billion dollars to 12 billion dollars. All those stores in the first quarter a year ago were still closed down, but now they've done such a better job of reaching out to consumers directly. And that's a huge change that, that means more trouble for all of these retailers when, when the brands themselves can reach out directly and you don't have to go into a store to get these things. Yeah. I used to think about Sam Walton, how, how one man can change the world. It, it happens a lot, Howard Schultz. You talk about Phil Knight. What if Phil Knight had never been born, like, like in It's a Wonderful Life? You watch how different Pottersville was or... Uh, Bedford Falls was before that happened. What if Phil Knight had never been born? Did you read Shoe Dog? Huh? Did you read Shoe Dog, his book? No, no, it's, 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 it's amazing. Unbelievable. Right? But what story. if he hadn't been born? Way, There'd be something else, I guess. But but you, all the social. Maybe not. I mean, Nike, it's just. And look, there were, he, there were competitors that he fought the whole way through and really kind of grounded out against. But. To get to these levels, to create things, that's what always impresses me. The, the idea of having a Dow component that was created in somebody's lifetime, watching that company get to those levels. And there are a lot of them. You look at there Microsoft, are. you look at Home Depot, Intel. You know, there's, there are a lot of these companies that were created and in the founder's lifetime right. achieved this sort of status. One person can have a really consequential life. It's just amazing. And if aliens are watching, you know, because we see there are UFOs all over the place. If they're watching, they must be like, wow, it's, it's a big world, but things can happen. It's really small compared to what's going on probably in the... I like how you think about these things. I don't know. I'm, I've got issues. Uh, I, saw a guy with a, with a, I saw a guy with a t-shirt on the other day. I wanted it. It said, I have issues. And I think <laughs> he was walking by some, and I, I was in the gym and someone actually said, I love that t-shirt. I need one of those. And then I was like, who doesn't need? I'm buy you one on Amazon right now. <laughs> I will find this for you. I have issues. Also, uh, this morning, uh, big banks are on the uh, docket to watch. They've uh, all passed the latest round of stress tests administered uh, by the Federal Reserve. Twenty-three banks were tested, and the Fed determined that all could survive a worst-case scenario. I can think of some scenarios they couldn't survive. Really? I'm afraid to even say... Worst-case scenario, but the, they, they within, run a pretty rapid... Right. I mean, they run a pretty rigorous stress test. Um, of course, we've all seen things the last year and a half we would not have anticipated, but... but They've done well through that, too. We can think of some things. Nuclear oblivion. Cheery. Uh, Happy Friday, everybody. And uh, uh, War of Worlds. Yeah, but at that point, does it matter? Orson Orson Welles. They're here. 
They're ready to come in here at any second with those slimy, slithery tentacles and like, you know, what are you going to do? pushing our theory that we can say anything <laughs> today. <laughs> Did you? I mean, do you remember what Will Smith was up against? Do you I remember? Do. Do okay. Remember they're, they're here, aren't they? You're starting Tom to think Cruise. so. <laughs> do you remember the Tom Cruise one? I do. That he did? And I remember the series, which was pretty cool, too, right. because the, or, the, the things that came were exactly like those robot dogs that, that, that we How see. How did you think it compared to the original War of the Worlds uh-huh. on the radio? Uh-huh. <laughs> on the radio, yeah. I loved Orson Welles. We were, we were very, very close. Yeah. Uh, as a result, uh, the Fed said it would uh, end temporary limits on dividend payments uh, and share buybacks. There's a great... Winston Churchill's story about about that and and Orson Welles. That, really? You know, yes, because I apparently someone dropped Orson Welles' name. I, I don't know. It, it's a great story, but the, even people like Winston Churchill can be impressed by by, somebody, ho- by, by Hollywood somebody. types. Yeah. Exactly. Coming up, Secretary Pete, the 1.2 trillion dollar infrastructure framework may have gotten the green light from the president. But there's a lot more road still left to lay. The fundamental question is not which month, which date, which part of which bill passes. The fundamental question is, are we going to deliver for the American people? Squawk Pod is back right after this. At Founders Brewing Company, we set out to create a beer that lets you embrace the unconventional. Mortal Bloom is a radiantly beautiful, hazy IPA that will wrap your taste buds with intense citrus and tropical notes of pineapple and mango. Coming in at 6.2% ABV with big aromatics and no bitterness, it's the perfect beer, if we do say so ourselves. Visit foundersbrewing.com to find Mortal Bloom Hazy IPA. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Here's Becky. President Biden says that he and a bipartisan group of senators have reached a deal to allocate hundreds of billions of dollars towards upgrading the nation's infrastructure. But it is not a done deal. It first has to get the support of at least 10 of the 11 Republican senators who worked on that compromise, plus every single Senate Democrat. And they may not okay the bill unless it's paired with another one to be passed through budget reconciliation. My party's divided, but my party's also rational. If they can't get every single thing they want, but all that they have in the bill that, that before them is good, are they going to vote no? I don't think so. Joining us right now to talk more about the infrastructure deal so far is U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Mr. Secretary, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. You know, the market looked at this news pretty optimistically yesterday. I have to say I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see see that this deal was getting done. Uh, But some of the language we heard later, some of the walking back gave me some pause. Um, The idea that this deal will not be signed by the president unless it's paired with the other half of the deal, the uh, other part of the deal that got kind of split off from this, and, and similar comments coming from Nancy Pelosi, really makes me think that we're not that much closer to getting something done. What do you think? I think this is an extraordinary deal. I mean, when was the last time you saw senators from both parties coming together 
to do something this big. Uh, look, there, there are parts of the president's vision for this country uh, that the Republican Party won't support, but there are parts that we really can do together. In fact, the question that's been asked of us for months is, okay, is it really true that when you look at uh, infrastructure, you look at what needs to happen around broadband, around water, around transportation infrastructure, is it really true that even on this, uh, Democrats and Republicans can come together? And yesterday was evidence that the answer is yes. This is going to be great for the country. It's going to be great for the economy, and it's a truly historic level of investment. We're talking about more for passenger rail than has been done since the creation of Amtrak. We're talking about a major investment in our roads and bridges, as well as a lot of things that are going to uh, benefit our sustainability as a country, uh, clean energy transmission, uh, a lot of steps that are going to uh, be critically important. And it's so much better, it's so much better for the country, so much better for the policy when we can actually do it together across the aisle, something a lot of Americans were beginning to despair over whether it's possible on any issue. That's how I felt when I heard the president come out with those 10 senators. That's not how I felt when I heard they were tying it all to everything else being done first. I mean, this isn't a deal if you still have to say the other $4 trillion or $6 trillion or whatever it is that Bernie Sanders is working on has to get approved first. I think the president made it clear. Speaker Pelosi made it clear. Leader Schumer made it clear. Let me make it clear uh, that there will not be a so-called bipartisan bill without a major reconciliation package. And that made me think, okay, this is not going to get done. No, I think this has been understood from the beginning. You know, most of the senators, most of the Republican senators I've spent time with this year so far understand and accept that there are some elements of the president's agenda that uh, we're not going to be able to do with them. But, of course, we're going to still pursue them. Republicans have understood and have not asked us to abandon the rest of the president's agenda. I I agree. Uh, I thought that uh, was always going to get done later, but I didn't think it would be tied to that getting accomplished. My thought was... And I think most of the Republican senators you're talking about, just from speaking with them, thought, yes, we'll do this part of it. Uh, We can't agree with the rest of it, but that's okay. They can figure that out later. I don't think they realized that that had to be figured out first before this gets done. I think you lose a lot of them if that's what this is tied to. Well, we're doing them at the same time. And I think the fundamental question is not which month, which date, which part of which bill passes. The fundamental question is, are we going to deliver for the American people? And yes, the American people expect and demand that we deliver things like child care, uh, other things that aren't in this compromise, like uh, improving veterans' hospitals. Of course, we're going to continue working on that. That's how two-tracks strategy works. We'll, we'll do one part on the one track and the other part on the bipartisan track. And we are proud of what we were able to put together on this bipartisan track. It's, it's not perfect. Uh, we didn't get everything we wanted. The Republicans didn't get everything that they wanted. But as the president says, that's how compromise works. And I think it's reassuring to see that that kind of legislative work is possible. Now, we've still got a lot of work to do this year to actually deliver. But this is incredibly encouraging. And the substance of this deal, obviously, as transportation secretary, is the thing that I'm most excited about because it will transform what it is like to move around Uh, to drink water, to to have access to the Internet in America. It's not just good for the economy. uh, It's good for our future. I I guess everything, though, hinges on whether you're going to be able to get the 50 votes in in reconciliation. Do do you have Manchin and Sinema? Have they signed off on some sort of plan for for the larger part of this? Because they've been the ones who, who have expressed lots of concerns. Without them, it doesn't happen. 
Yeah, you can't guarantee how a senator is going to vote on a bill that hasn't yet been written. But what I'll say is that this atmosphere of compromise and collaboration, I think, makes progress more likely and more possible on all fronts. And we're going to continue to pursue that, something that uh, uh, not just Democrats, but Americans expect us to do. And when you talk about something like child care, uh, you talk about some of the other things that we know need to happen around clean energy. Uh, These are things that uh, are not just Democratic Party priorities. They're American priorities. But uh, there is a part of the president's vision, an enormous part, a $1.2 trillion part of the president's vision that we can actually do together, that we can do with Republicans and Democrats side by side. That's what you saw yesterday, and that's something I think the country has been hungry for us to do. Mr. Secretary, we've, uh, I- I've appealed to your, your transportation secretary the urges before. I didn't, get, I didn't get the complete answer I wanted last time. I'm, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get it to you this time. Let's say that all these other ancillary things that you're talking about, let's say that that's just not going to go, that made from Manchin or the caucus or whatever, and that your deal, your transportation-focused deal gets scuttled. You wouldn't be the slightest bit chagrined or, or unhappy if, you know, going for the moon with the human infrastructure or however you want to call it, you wouldn't be chagrined if, if you had to sacrifice all this stuff that you were going to get just because you don't get Bernie Sanders kitchen sink bill? Of course, uh, we we need and want to do all of these things. And I care deeply about the transportation infrastructure elements that we struck a bipartisan deal to get done. Uh, But the American people don't expect us to walk away from childcare. The American people aren't expecting us to walk away from clean energy or these other wildly popular, deeply important policy priorities. It's just that we have a common sense recognition that there are some things that we can do together across the aisle and some things that we can't. Uh, It's like the rescue plan. Unfortunately, uh, it was necessary for the rescue plan to be passed on party lines. It still was the right thing to do, and it's making America better off. But it's so much better when we can do at least part of it together, and that's what this deal represents. Market was up yesterday because uh, investors assumed that this deal was going to get done and probably get done sooner rather than later. What sort of timeline would you put on it now that we realize the two bills aren't split, that they're actually linked together? Well, there's no time to lose. Uh, Congress works in very complex ways. As you know, there are markups in committee on uh, bills that, that are relevant to this. Things going to the floor over the summer. I think uh, July is going to be a big month, and then we head toward that end of the fiscal year. What I'll say is uh, uh, we have an enormous sense of urgency about this because the American people rightly are impatient for us to deliver results, and so is the president. Mr. Secretary, I want to thank you for your time today. Thank you. Great being with you. Great to see you, too. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, CEO of the world's largest brewer, Anheuser-Busch InBev, will crack open a weekend cold one with Carlos Brito. A lot of the new normal was just like the old normal, in that people were dying to go back to old habits. Tell me about it. And the new space race. It's just like us versus Sputnik again. Now it's Bezos versus Branson. We're back after this. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. Stand by Pro-A. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Play Pro-A. Dissolve. 
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Hello. Hi, I'm here. We are, too. Bars and restaurants are back in full force in much of the country. Sports games and live events are also back worldwide with full stadiums. So will this be a boom for AB InBev? It's the world's largest brewer. The stock is up about 50 percent since the beginning of the pandemic. Joining us right now to talk about it is Carlos Brito. He is the CEO of Anheuser-Busch InBev. He's stepping down from his role on July 1st after 15 years as the head of the company and uh, 32 years working at Bud. And Carlos, uh, it's a pretty huge achievement. We can talk more about that in just a moment. But, but thank you, first of all, for being here. It's good to see you. Great to see you, Becky. Thanks for having me. So let's talk about what you're seeing in the world right now as things reopen. How has this changed your business? How has this impacted things? Does it really feel like we're back in full force? Well, in some countries, for sure. I mean, if you look at the U.S., U.K., for example, I mean, vaccinations are progressing very fast. And that is getting consumers back to their normal lives. Everybody's dying to grab a beer, to go meet their friends physically, to go to ballparks, to go to pubs, restaurants, bars, go back to traveling. Some other countries are still behind in terms of vaccinations. There's still some restrictions. But, you know, at least there is light at the end of the tunnel. Some tunnels are longer than others, depending on the country. But everybody's going towards that light. So it's good. We had the CEO of Rite Aid on yesterday, and I was kind of surprised by some of what we saw in her numbers. Um, In the front of the stores... Sale, same store sales were down by, I think, 12 percent. And part of that was because people weren't hoarding up toilet paper and cleaning supplies. But the other part is they weren't hoarding liquor and buying it there like they had been in full force a year ago. We're actually seeing the highest turn inventory turn levels that we've seen in many, many years. We're almost uh, three, uh, three times in terms of our inventory turns, which are up 8 percent. And that's really a reflection of how strong our new merchandise mix is. It seems to me that during the pandemic, people didn't stop drinking. They just found different ways that they were purchasing it. How, how did you deal with that? Because it must have been just chaos trying to figure out how to get to the consumer as restaurants shut, shut down, events shut down, airports shut down. What did you do and how are you switching back now? Yeah, no, I'm very proud of what our people did. I mean, our guys in supply chain sales had to be very agile, very flexible, because as you said, there was a big shift in dislocation among channels, packaging, brands, because consumers couldn't buy in pubs and restaurants, so they had to resort to grocery stores. And they found their way to their loved products. Uh, Of course, volume was still slightly down in the U.S., for example, but it was uh, very strong in the grocery store business. So a lot of the occasions migrated to the home. The home became the hub for living, entertainment, working. So the hub, the, the home became the very big hub. And uh, a lot of the occasions migrated to the home. But uh, we found our ways through the grocery stores to get consumers for sure. Have you unwound that process, though? Are you, are you supplying less to the grocery stores, less to the, yeah. uh, you know, the, the places and back to normal bars and restaurants? Like, that, that's, that's not an easy feat. Yeah, and, and not more balanced. But uh, we've been preparing for the recovery and normalization now for quite, quite a bit. Once vaccines are being rolled out, we saw some states ahead of others and we saw how consumers were reacting to this new normal. And we saw that a lot of the new normal was just like the old normal in that people were dying to go back to old habits. And we started preparing our supply chain back to more bottles, more draft beer, and more of a normal balance, which we 
with what we like to have. So you have different packs for different occasions for different channels. And consumers are back. And uh, we're very excited about the summer. We think it's going to be an amazing summer. So much so that we have this promotion, you know, that the White House announced uh, in that we're going to give a free beer uh, to on the 4th of July if we get to the threshold established by the White House. Yeah, I, I, I like that. How, how many beers are you thinking you're going to give away? We'll see. I mean, but it's all about celebrating freedom. I mean, celebrating, uh, you know, all of us being able to go back to normal lives. So we teamed up and we came up with this idea that, uh, you know, people excited about this new world that's out there just around the corner. And in that, as more people get vaccinated, the more, you know, communities feel safer and the more people go back to, to old habits. And that's what we said. Hey, I shot the beer. You know, we've, we've just heard recently that alcohol is going to be banned at the Tokyo Olympics. This is a way of kind of bowing to the Japanese public that, that doesn't want the games there to begin with. We're seeing alcohol sales either cut back or stopped on a lot of the airlines because there's been so much air rage from passengers recently. Has any of that filtered its way back to you? And what will the impact from the Tokyo Olympics um, not, not no. selling alcohol be? Actually, yes, they were talking just yesterday. We we're talking to our Japanese colleagues about the Olympics and what's going to be banned from what our understanding was, was going to be sales in stadiums, but in stadiums, there'll be so few people in the stadiums anyway. So people are going to be really watching from their homes. Again, the home became becoming the hub and beer consumption in Japan, which is a very small market for us anyway, will be at home. So that's what's going to happen. And it's, it's going to be more for the athletes to be in the stadiums. Consumers will be at home drinking beer and watching games. Carlos, 15 years at the helm there, it's kind of hard to think of the company without you being there. Um, what did you learn along the way? What advice would you give um, to your successor? Well, I think my successor was groomed as I was through the ranks here in the company. He's been in the company for 25 years. Michelle is a great leader. And uh, my advice has always been first who, then what. Our company has always been mostly about people. So we invest a lot of time in bringing the right people, create an environment where these people come and stay. And, and then we think about big things to do. We try to get these people inspired that they can achieve much more than they think they can on their own. So teams are very powerful. And then we create an environment where people feel that they own the company, that we are owners, because that's what it is. It's myself and 164,000 colleagues around the world that brought this company from two countries, one in Europe, one in Latin America, Brazil and Belgium, and became the biggest you know, global brewer, the most profitable with operations in all continents. And I was there with my colleagues during this journey. And it was all about people, Becky. I mean, when we started expanding, it was not because of ego or size or anything. It was about creating a company that was so interesting and would offer so many opportunities for people to grow that the great talent we're bringing on out of college would find opportunities to continue to develop themselves within our company for many years to come. Carlos, very quickly, uh, if I look back at kind of the trends in, in your industry over the last several decades, first I would have said microbrewers popping up, and then the last decade or so, it's certainly been about consolidation. What's the, the next trend for the next decade? What we see now is the emergence of what's called a fourth category. So the seltzers, canned cocktails. So the, the barriers, you know, uh, between wine, beer, cocktail, or blurring. And there's a lot of innovation in between drinks that are in the intersection of all those beverages. We've been very active 
it's an amazing category. It's growing. It uh, it goes to specific consumer needs of lower calories, lower carbs, gluten free. In many instances, more co-ed, and that's something that's great for us because it's very profitable, and it's something that we've been very active with very strong brands, and it's a, something that's beginning to travel from the U.S. to other countries around the world, and we've been in the forefront of getting this trend to our global footprint. We want to thank you for your time today. And uh, again, thanks for being with us as you thank wrap you. up your career there. It's really great to see you, and we've appreciated your time over the years. Thanks so much, Becky. All the best. Have a great thank day. Thank you. Shares of Virgin Galactic have blasted off this morning. So when you see that, do you just... Do you just read it or do you, I mean, do you just. I, I, I would try and read it with a little more enthusiasm. No, but when you, when you see something that lame, that, that someone had tried so hard to, to do, do, do you they just. They were trying so hard to do and you just let it flop. All right, let me try. No, I'm not going to try it again. Back it up. I'm, try it. No, I'm not going to. You want No. Sure, back it up. I'll show you how. Uh, this is how it's done. You ready? Go ahead. Shares of Virgin Galactic have blasted off this morning. You don't think people at home are going. Just they wouldn't be until your side commentary <laughs> came in. Thank you. Richard Branson spaced. In fact, they blasted into space. They changed it. They're adding more. <laughs> They're messing with me again. Uh, anyway, because we can't play the music anymore. We can't play. It's Friday and you're in love. So, no, so they're going to they're gonna torture me with these hackneyed. Uh, uh, anyway, his Branson Space Tourism Company uh, says the F- FAA has granted it a license to fly passengers on future Space flights, that's a key step in getting uh, the venture off the ground. <laughs> At least three more Virgin spaceflight tests are planned. The second will carry Virgin founder Sir Richard Branson. Uh, the current question, will he get uh, to space before Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, who people they signed a, peti- uh, a petition saying stay there. They haven't done that for Branson, I don't think. Um, but Bezos is scheduled to go up on July 20th in a rocket uh, made by his space company, Blue Origin. Earlier this month, a report from a California-based blogger said Virgin Galactic is considering reorganizing its flight schedule to launch Branson over the July 4th weekend. There is, it's just like us versus Sputnik uh, again. It, now it's Bezos versus Branson to see who, who gets up there. Okay. Who gets it's up there watching. first. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I like this. Can I try this one for you? Go ahead. Shares of Nike are running ahead. They didn't put that in there. No, I'm just trying to make it fun. You came in. You came up with that. (laughs) See, I can do hacking. You know why? Because I don't think they were clever enough to think about that. No, they just didn't get to it because they were trying to insert so many in the read while you were reading it on Rockets. What else can we do? We can come up with some other ones. Anyway. And that's Squawk Pod for today and for another week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You'll hear all three if you tune in Monday morning at 6 Eastern or any weekday morning on CNBC. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, would you be so kind to leave us a rating or write a review on Apple Podcasts? We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. 
That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.